0: Welcome to the Rappaport Diamond Podcast, and now your
1: host, Avi Kravitz. This podcast is brought to you by De Beers Group Ignite, pioneering a new diamond world through groundbreaking innovation, science, and technology. Inspired by the world's unrelenting change, Beers Ignite is driven to develop creative solutions for the diamond industry, not only for existing challenges, but also for those it may never have faced before, helping you to achieve growth with efficient and accurate technologies throughout the diamond pipeline. Hi everyone, welcome to the Wrap for Diamond podcast. Today's guest is Lisa Bridge, the CEO of jewelry retailer Ben Bridge and the new president of the American Gem Society, AGS. Lisa comes from a long tradition of jewellers and is someone I've wanted to have on the podcast for the longest time. We spoke about a wide range of topics, including the current mood of the market, Ben Bridges' growth plans, and Lisa also shares some personal anecdotes from her experiences in the industry. I'm sure you'll enjoy our conversation as much as I did. I hope you get a lot from it. Please enjoy our discussion hi lisa it's so great to see you and thank you for joining us and welcome to the report Diamond Podcast, your debut. It's great to have you here.
0: Thank you. Delighted to be here.
1: Not so many months ago, you were elected as the new president of the American Gem Society at AGS. So, congratulations for that. And thank you. That's a, a good place to start off. And, and you can explain to us what that role entails and what your responsibilities as sort of heading the AGS organization for the coming year. Or is it two years?
0: It's a two year term. yeah. So, very proud to be now the president of the American Gem Society's Board of Directors, a wonderful organization. And the American Gem Society really stands for Consumer Protection and Education. That's really what AGS is about. And we are a community of retailers, suppliers, appraisers, and really our customers serve the community and serve the industry. It's a two year term that I'm really excited. We have a wonderful board that I get to lead and work with and envision the future with and work with our amazing team at AGS. We have really an incredible group who work at AGS led by Catherine Bodo, who is a phenomenal leader. At this moment, I think it's really a pivotal moment for the industry as well as for AGS and excited to be able to continue to lead and grow
1: we'll get back to that point but just from a personal experience one of my favorite experiences in the industry was when I attended the AGS Conclave in Seattle it was a 2019 I think it was, it was. and um, two <laughs> things that stand out for me that was my first time at the Conclave the first was that sense of community that AGS creates which I think is quite unique and quite important for the industry there is a communal aspect within the industry and I think it promotes success amongst those in that community and the second thing was that um, it was taking place in Seattle and the whole Benbridge team was there. So I felt Ben Bridge's presence, which was a really positive thing. But back on point, you mentioned that it's a pivotal moment for AGS and for the industry. In what sense? We're always at a crossroad of some sort, but you know, in what sense is this a moment for which the industry can reflect and move forward?
0: Well, we've experienced it a, a couple of extraordinary years the challenge of COVID and closures and protests and everything that happened in 2020. And then to see the extraordinary growth of our industry over the last 18 months. And I think that it's given everybody new perspective on what's possible and how we can inspire our customers and to feel the energy in the industry is really very positive. But then there are also really important moments of decision-making and reflection on What it is that we sell and how do we sell it and how do we communicate with our customers and how do we ensure supply chain transparency? And I think that in both of those realms, there's a lot of work to be done, both in inspiring our customers and continuing the growth and bringing people back, but also in what more do we need to do as an industry in our supply chain and in our storytelling?
1: Right. Well, I think that storytelling aspect is so important. And sometimes we forget that we're primarily storytellers and the industry has so many wonderful stories to tell. And particularly in what we do in our editorial world, we kind of get stuck in the nitty gritty of the economics of the market. And looking back at the two big events that took place in the last two to three months, the one being the Las Vegas shows and the other being this year's Conclave, where we got a lot of very positive, Feedback about the market. But then on the outside, there's all this talk about inflation and economic slowdown. And so, how do you assess the mood amongst AGS members and within the industry as a whole moving into the second half of this year?
0: Yeah, you're right. Those were two very special events. As you mentioned, Conclave is an extraordinary and unique event for our industry. People coming together for education, for connection, and you learn so much from one another, both in the classes, but also sitting next to one another at a table and being amongst people who really have that spirit of communal growth and supporting one another is really quite special. And I think the mood at Conclave being together, it was almost euphoric, really. Having that moment to connect after so long apart, feeling excited and energized after some successful years, was really quite special at Conclave this year. Certainly I felt it was special stepping into this role as president and having my family there, which was wonderful, but it was really a special Conclave. And then at the JCK and the shows in Vegas, really a good energy people were there to buy, which was wonderful to see. I think that everybody has a healthier inventory across the industry and that bodes really well for moving forward. Certainly the macroeconomic conditions Certainly clouds that seem to be gathering, but I'm hopeful that we have connected with enough customers over the last 18 months and that continual outreach will see us through. Certainly people are excited about getting married and having weddings that, you know, talking about the biggest wedding year in decades this year. And so that's positive for our industry. And so there may be some uncertainty. I think we want to be cautious in our planning, but also hopeful that the good things will continue in the long term.
1: And so you mentioned the aspect of storytelling, and you stepped into your role as CEO of Bridge was also around 2019, pre-COVID, right? So, so you've kind of steered your company through this transition period. And how has the storytelling changed in terms of how we relate to the product and the provenance or the branding of a product to consumers? How has that changed over the last two to three years, if at all?
0: Well, right. I think that storytelling and jewelry are very intimately intertwined and have been since the beginning, right? That's what we first started exchanging a piece of jewelry for when it was, you know, a a simple shell that we were handing to a loved one uh, many thousands of years ago. And that desire to celebrate and to adorn and to express love is still very much true and very innately tied to jewelry. And so, I think what's changed over the last few years is how do we express that rather than thinking about, well, this is nice because it's in this nice box and I can hand it to you. And, you know, it's this perfect moment. So now it being a little bit more real and having more the meaning behind it, where it's come from, that provenance, as you mentioned, that that adds to somebody's understanding, someone's value. And the desire for jewelry moving forward, there's such a richness to it. Not just is this item beautiful, but let me tell you the journey that it's been on. We now know you know, where things come from and how they're made and how we choose to communicate that is going to make the, all the difference.
1: Right. And people are looking for, especially through COVID, that strengthened people's yearning for Connection with other people, obviously, and with the products that they're buying, and certainly within their jewelry collections, and tapping into that storytelling.
0: And jewelry is meaningful because you have something that comes from the earth, and it's something that comes from humans' creativity. I mean, what else do you have that perfect pairing between what nature can create and what humans can envision? And so that pairing, I think, is really powerful. And I think during this last period. People were looking for something that was enduring and meaningful and had that connection to the greater world. And I think that's why that's why jewelry connected.
1: I've never heard it put in that context of the natural pairing with the human creativity which brings the design sign. I think it's a lovely angle to look at jewellery market but then there's also the way that jewellery was sold and is sold now you know that pivot to online and you lived through that. I'm sure Bridge was quite savvy with its e-commerce strategy before COVID but maybe you can talk us through the adjustments that you had to make through the pandemic and then how that accelerated perhaps or maybe slowed down a bit on the the e-commerce as we came out of the lockdown and the restrictions that we had experienced previously
0: it has been been a journey and at the beginning when we started covid i mean we had our strong e-commerce business but we fulfilled from our stores and so when we had to close our stores for a time we also had to close our e-commerce because we couldn't fulfill you know we were fulfilling small things if there was you know one particular emergency that we had to had to meet but really weren't able to continue to operate for a brief period and had to rethink about how do we fulfill, how do we take care of our e-commerce customers? That became quite a necessity. And so there was great evolution during that time period, figuring out how do we reprogram our site and where we pull and where merchandise lives. So that piece was a big difference. Certainly being able to offer our customers curbside service or to be able to interact remotely, that was all all new. Um, But for us, our focus is really on being our customer's personal jeweler. That's been who we've been and who we want to be. And so this time has provided a clarity in that focus, in being somebody's personal jeweler. And what does that really mean today? And how do we take what our best people are doing and provide technology, provide the resources for all of our associates and our online experience to reflect that personal attention. And so that's really been where our focus and investment has been is on that personal experience. And so this time allowed us to strip away a lot of other things and be really laser focused on on that experience.
1: Right. Well, there are two aspects that stick out for me. The first is as a larger company with multiple locations and platforms and um, that you're managing, how does one maintain that personal aspect? And the second is with this real minefield of online activity through social media platforms that require different types of community building, which also sort of dilutes that or makes it a, a challenge to, to create community. But maybe can also be a great tool to create community and create a personal connection. But it creates such a wide network that how do you maintain that that personal connection with your customer base?
0: It all starts with great people. We have to hire wonderful people in all parts of our business who are able to live that every day. When we first started expanding as a business, we were going to open a Benbridge store. Um, This was my grandfather and my great uncle. So Bob and Herb were going to open a second store in South Center, which was a mall that was about 20 miles south of Seattle. Oh my goodness, 20 miles. That's so far away. How are we going to run this store? And there was a great debate at that time between Bob and Herb about who was going to go and manage that store. Uh, Herb felt strongly it had to be one of them. It had to be someone with the last name Bridge. And Bob said, no, we have to take our best salesperson, man by the name of Orly Solomon, and we have to go with our best foot forward. And he's our best foot. He needs to go and manage that store. And thankfully, Bob won out in that debate and Orly went and opened the store. And it was the greatest thing we could have done both for that store, but for our growth overall, because Orly took ownership of that store as if it were his own name over the door. He knew everybody in that mall. He was involved in the local rotary. He was head of all of the associations there. And and we were a success from day one because of him. And it taught us that if we have great people and you truly delegate to them and you give them the tools to succeed, then we can grow and thrive and flourish. And then it doesn't have to be someone doesn't have to interact with a bridge to know that they're part of the Benbridge organization and the Benbridge family. And so we've been able to grow because of great people. And so ultimately, we just need to train and educate. We need to find great people and give them give them the tools to succeed.
1: Mm. Is, is that becoming more of a challenge? We hear so much about, and we've mentioned on the podcast before, the, the challenge of finding talent and uh, particularly in this current labor market that, that's maybe the positive side of the economic environment at the moment it's difficult to find there's a shortage of good good workers out there
0: it's really hard it's really hard to find great people but when you do there's nothing better and so finding great people and then keeping them making sure that they feel invested and challenged and appreciated and see opportunities for growth and we're lucky that we have wonderful people who have stayed with us for for a long time
1: well, it's uh, going back to my conclave experience, it stood out for me the the Ben bridge community that that had been created at the conclave, but then um there seems to also be in the last year or so a bit more of a focus on at Ben bridge. there was a divestment from the Pandora um, arrangement, which we heard more from the Pandora side, and we know they've had this long-term sort of strategy to buy back and take ownership of their franchise stores. But what is the benefit or what is the reasoning behind that move from Ben Bridges' point of view?
0: We're really proud of our dozen years of partnership with Pandora. It was the right product, the right time, and allowed us to get to know customers in a wonderful way. And I think that we learned a tremendous amount from them and they learned a tremendous amount from us. And so it was a really meaningful partnership. And it had a, a, a time and a moment. And, and as you mentioned, Pandora has been happy to, to grow and, and own more of their own stores and enable their omni channel experience. And it allows us to have focus on our Ben Bridge business, to refocus and deliver on what it means to be Ben Bridge. How do we evolve and grow that experience? And to really reinvest in stores, in technology, in people to be able to grow in the future. And so it was just the right time to make that, that pivot and a really exciting one for us as an organization uh, to now be able to, to jump forward and move our Ben Bridge business forward
1: right and to have a deeper focus on the Benbridge brand so what are your short term plans for the business are you opening more stores is there a sort of an expansion or is it honing in on the on the community that you've built in and continue to
0: maintain we have some aggressive growth plans but growth not necessarily in you know wild expansion of stores there are new stores coming we have a new store in the Seattle area, that's going to open this fall. It's going to be an all-watch store. We have a Ben Bridge store at University Village, and then now we're going to do a Ben Bridge TimeWorks directly across from it, which will be a wonderful addition. So we have that. We have another new store next year. But we're also really reinvesting in flagship projects, and so our downtown Seattle store, which been in downtown Seattle for 110 years, seen a lot of things in 110 years in the city, a lot of evolution. And we moved out of the building that we have been in for 94 years. And we're currently in a temporary location where we're building a flagship right in the heart of the city uh, across from the Nordstrom flagship at Fifth and Pine. And it's going to be this beautiful 5,800 square foot store with you know 13 foot ceilings and an incredible experience. And so being able to re-envision what does this store look like? What do we need to be in the community? How do we have community space within our store? How do we partner with a local area? We also have a big project in Hawaii. We have two stores in Hawaii right now. We have a Benbridge store with a Rolex Shop and Shop, as well as a Benbridge Timeworks that has 15 different watch brands. And then we're changing the Benbridge store with the Rolex Shop and Shop into a prestige Rolex boutique, and then bringing jewelry, kind of re-envisioning the jewelry in to join the Time Work store. And then we're also moving in the greater Los Angeles area in the Inland Empire, so east of the downtown area of Los Angeles. We've had a long term store in Riverside at the Gallery at Tyler. The mall no longer really reflects where we are and where we're going. So we're moving to a beautiful freestanding location to be able to provide that luxury destination in the Inland Empire. So really reinvesting in some core properties and where those stores and that experience can go, as well as the technology. And so we're undergoing a full ERP, a full infrastructure technology, you know, generational change in our technology that underpins our organization and our website, doing um, both a site redesign as well as a replatforming.
1: That's a lot. I mean, is there also a technological aspect to your store presentation? So will you be using, you know, how will you be using technology within your store to present diamonds, both in terms of the presentation and also in terms of tapping into additional supply that you might not have in store?
0: I believe very strongly in using technology to do what we can't do in person, but not to use technology just to say you have technology. I don't personally find a screen on the wall particularly compelling, um, or an iPad in the store. I mean, I don't need an iPad in the store. I have my own at home. And so how do we use technology to enable what we can't do? And so we introduced hologram technology in our bridal design process. And so somebody can envision what their ring is going to look like as we do custom design. So introducing technology that way and certainly enabling mobile registers and things like that so that we can have that seamless experience with our customer wherever they are shopping in the store. And so adding those layers of technology to really enable a seamless experience for our customers but also allows them to connect with one of our people, which is really what we want when they're in the store.
1: Right. And I think people are, after the COVID online experience, they are yearning for that personal connection and also to have the jewelry try-on experience within the store. So I
0: think... There's nothing like touching a piece of jewelry.
1: Right. And then there's a lot going on. And then what are you looking at in terms of expanding your collections and tapping into any trends that you might be seeing in the market? And I would love to hear what you are seeing in terms of jewellery trends and how that is influencing your presentation.
0: Yeah, well, we've seen, we're very happy to see the influx, you know, more yellow gold being worn and some heavier pieces, which has been wonderful. A focus on provenance. And that's something that we've been talking about for a long time, but it's now, I think, more frequently a, a question of our customers. So we're proud that we've had our Ikumar our Canadian diamond. It's been a traceable diamond for 20 years. Um, we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of Ikuma this year. And being able to bring that forward, being able to share that richness with our customers, and then enhancing that now with our signature diamond, which is our proprietary cut and partnering with Code of Origin to be able to have that origin story with our signature diamond as well. And so seeing that certainly as a trend that that people want to know where things come from, want to have that story, and then they want it to be part of their own story. And so expanding our Bella Ponte offering which is our proprietary bridal collection and experience that also enables all of the personalization that a customer could want and so they can put their story into their ring as well
1: and um, well the traceability aspect is something that's very interesting to me and I think it's something that we are going to see more of and I mean you hear a lot of people talking about Canadian diamonds Canadian diamonds seems to be getting a bit of a boost and I think a lot of people are thinking about um, how they can tap into the traceability story. And it's not only Canadian diamonds, obviously, but it's uh, the, the geopolitics of today are certainly um, changing people's. Um, thinking about how they source and how they supply their goods and, and it creates a branding opportunity as well. So just uh, just one or two last questions, Lisa. Maybe you can, um, I think it'll be interesting to hear what your taste in jewelry is. What are some of your favorites that you have? So what are some of your favorite personal pieces that you own?
0: Favorite personal pieces? You know, what's wonderful about jewelry is that they're each so meaningful and then they each tell a story. A necklace that I meant to put on this morning One of my favorite pieces, it's an emerald cut diamond pendant that is set in what looks like kind of a vintage style setting. And the diamond my dad gave my mom on their first anniversary. And then for graduation, they had it reset and designed for me. And it's one of my favorite pieces because it's that perfect marriage of part of their story and part of their journey, but then also now new for me and meaningful in my life and for my moment. And so that's one of my very favorite pieces. But I also love things that are, you know, I'm a nerdy gemologist. So there are certain pieces that, you know, for example, I had always wanted a conch pearl necklace. And my husband got that for me in honor of the birth of our daughter. And it's something that 99% of people have no idea. Oh, look, there are some pink, you know, beads on your necklace but for those who know go oh look at the conch pearls and so I love pieces like that that might not be totally in your face uh, what they are but are really special and and unique
1: and it's uh, just your example again illustrates how jewelry is present in all life stages and life events I'm almost um, hesitant to go back to the serious sort of economic questions and it doesn't necessarily have to be economic focus, but what are your predictions for the second half of the year? And that could be from a market point of view, as well as maybe what are you looking forward to um, in the months coming up before, you know, as we, as we head into the last six months of 2022?
0: I think there are certainly questions economically, but I think it's going to hit different market segments differently. And I think that people are still really looking to celebrate really looking to mark special moments. And I think that bodes well for industry and how we'll fare through what could be rocky time ahead economically. And I think that this holiday season, looking at the second half of the year, I think is going to be a really strong one because people are going to be together in a way that they haven't in the last few years want to be together, want to celebrate, and want to really enjoy that moment in a lasting and meaningful way. And I think that's where, where jewelry wins. As long as we can provide something that inspires our customers, connects with them emotionally, and makes them feel good and recognize that timeless nature of what it is that we offer, then I think we'll do well. So I'm an optimist. I'm a retailer, and so as a retailer, you have to be an optimist. But certainly that there are good things ahead. Maybe not the you know heyday we've had the last 18 months, but I think still strong performance ahead.
1: And I think for me the big takeaway from our conversation today has been the aspect of storytelling. And if we tell a good story, combined with that human element uh, of wanting to celebrate and uh, be together, then uh, then it is a win-win for for the industry. But the industry needs to tell those stories. there are plenty to tell. So um, Lisa, thanks so much for joining us. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I hope we can do it again soon sometime.
0: I look forward to it. Thank you.
1: Thank you for joining us. And thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Rapport Diamond podcast. I hope you got a lot out of it. I certainly did. Please follow us on all social media platforms. You can find us at Rathport Group on Instagram, Rathport on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And follow all our news on diamonds.net. You can also find Lisa and want to learn more about Ben Bridge at benbridge.com. And they're also on all social platforms. Have a great day, everyone, and see you soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Ignite, a full service innovation science and technology division within the De Beers Group, spearheading step
0: change throughout the diamond industry.